Hi, my name is Laura O. I'm an alcoholic and an addict. Um, I have a sobriety date. It is February 14th, Valentine's Day, 2020. Um, I have a sponsor. Um, my sponsor has a sponsor. Um, I was born into a middle-class family where I was loved very much, but my father was a very large, raging alcoholic. And that's not the reason why I became an alcoholic, but it did kind of give me a blueprint on how to how to go about doing certain things um i believe i'm an alcoholic because um i've got the obsession of the mind and the allergy of the body um and i do believe there's some sort of a genetic um component to it because if you shake my family tree an alcoholic's going to fall off every single branch um we're we're full of alcoholics um let's see i started drinking um when i was in junior high and i soon started to feel like when i was sad or had a bad day that it was a good excuse to steal some alcohol from my family's liquor cabinet and hide it away and put it in my room and then drink all by myself later on. So I was drinking by myself at a pretty early age. But when I did drink with my friends, it was pretty obvious that I was different than them because they would all stop when they were having a good time. But me, <clears throat> I never stopped. I would drink until I was falling down drunk, puking, and passing out. And it was every time. And it soon became where I didn't want to go out and do anything um it wasn't fun unless we had alcohol and my other friends could do things together without drinking but i didn't see the point to it um I got into trouble a lot when I was in when I was a teenager my parents were extremely strict and um I didn't quite fit what they wanted me to be. <laughs> um, so I got into trouble a lot. And by the time I was 17, I had run away from home and was living in a crack house. And it wasn't because I smoked crack, but I could do whatever I wanted there. And nobody was going to tell me, you know, nobody was going to set down rules for me. And soon after that, I became pregnant with my first child. And so I was, um, I was a statistic. I was a pregnant high schooler. Um, I had my son and married the dad, which was probably a mistake because he and I, we started out the relationship with a lot of love, but our addictions killed it pretty quick. Um, we ended up doing a lot of drugs and, um, our home became a kind of a violent scary place to be um i left him when i was 23 and within a month and a half i met my second husband who i'm with to this day um but he liked to drink too just like me um that was the biggest thing we had in common in the beginning and um by the time I was 23, I had two kids and I was waking up in the morning at 6 a.m. and slamming that first beer and that first beer would just come up still cold. I'd puke it up. But after that, I could keep down the second beer and then I could drink until the shakes were gone and then I could function until I passed out at about five o'clock. And this was continuous. This was just day after day. I was miserable. Um, 
I hated my life. I hated myself. I was no decent mother whatsoever. I was giving a horrible example to my kids. Um, so when I decided it was time to quit, I ended up um, 51 15 myself because it was the only way I could stop. I needed to be physically separated. Hi, I don't know what happened. Everything blanked out. Just keep going. Yeah, you're good. You still have five more minutes. Just go I'm on. so sorry. Um, so anyways, I got, um, treatment there and I got, um, real actual, um, clinical mental health, um, sessions, which helped dig into a lot of the things that, um, are, are wrong with me <laughs> that I need to continue working on. And once I got out of rehab, um, I went into an SLE instead of going back home. And it wasn't because I didn't want to be with my husband anymore, um, but it was because I felt we needed some separation to figure out who we were, um, you know, on our own. We were so enmeshed and um, the drugs and alcohol had taken over our lives so much that we needed some sort of space to figure out who we were on our own before we figured out who we were together. But after four months, I went back to living home and um, it was so great coming back home. And at that point, um, my youngest daughter was 20 and my oldest was 28 and he went he no longer lived at home. My daughter, when I went into uh, rehab, she was no longer speaking to me. Um, we lived in the same house, but I had fucked up so bad that she wasn't speaking to me anymore. Um, luckily, during while I was in treatment and while I was at the SLE, um, we were able to work on our relationship and become close again and I don't know what I would have done with without her um, during COVID with everything being shut up and no in-person or shut down and no in-person meetings she was by my side um, continuously just to have my back and I think part of that was she was so scared to leave me alone that she was afraid I would drink again but um, whatever the reason she really helped me so much and so um, after I got and my son by the way is still no longer speaking to me I still haven't been able to two minutes rebuild that relationship but I got a speaker um, one night at the late show I raised my hand during sharing and said I needed a speaker and I really lucked out because I got this wonderful woman with 21 years of sobriety to take me through the steps and um, she's really one of a kind and um, uh, step four was really hard for me um, writing out so many deeply shameful things and speaking them to somebody else but it was also therapy in a way because um, my sponsor is very detail oriented thorough and I mean we went through every resentment in depth and I think it really helped me see how I deal with things in my life and how I need to change 
how I deal with things. Um, right now, I'm on step nine. Um, I did a amends to my mother um, a couple weeks ago, which she made easier than I think I deserved. But um, my mom's awesome. Um, anyways, so I'm still going through the amends portion. And um, I don't know what I would do without Alcoholics Anonymous. There's no way I could have ever gotten sober and stayed sober without this program. And the steps, I really feel like they're changing my life and changing who I am in a better way. And um, I had problem with the higher power thing. But for now, my higher power is the program of AA and the people in the rooms because if you guys can do it I can do it and when I have doubts you guys show me the way and I'm really grateful for that and so with that thank you guys Hi I'm Kat I'm an alcoholic um, thank you guys for having me speak at this meeting um, I love AA um I love this meeting. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm an alcoholic. My name is Kat. Um, I, um, I've been sober a little over seven years now. Um, my sobriety date is um, February 15th, 2014. Um, and uh, yeah, um, I'm... Um, I'm at a loss for words. Okay, let me get started. So, yes, I'm an alcoholic. Been sober for seven years. Um, I, uh, I've, I've been going to AA this entire time. Um, I pretty much have been going to at least three meetings a week for my entire sobriety. Um, I usually have commitments and um i have sponsees and i have a sponsor and um you know i do the steps i um continuously um i do my little inventory i do my little prayers and um i try to listen to god um whatever god is i don't really know what god is still after all this time um when i was new uh, my sponsor kind of just had me um say my little prayers and uh when i was praying she was like she would tell me well whatever she told me this and then i and then i did it she was like pray on your knees every day um you know at first i started out with the serenity prayer um do that on my knees in the morning um then when we got to the third step i started doing the third step prayer in the morning um and um at first i was kind of just praying to the bedspread um but, you know, eventually as I started getting through the rest of the steps, you know, after I did my fifth step, after I got to my seventh step, um, you know, I feel like God sort of started to manifest in my life. And I don't really, I still don't know what God is. I, I'm just floating around in the universe. I have no idea. But um, anyway, um, I guess I'll just touch on what it was like, what happened and what it's like now. So have 40 minutes holy crowley <laughs> um, <laughs> um i'm a little nervous um so i um 
I come from like, I come from a long line of alcoholics, um, similar to what Laura said about her family. I, um, my mom's an alcoholic. My dad's an alcoholic. My mom's dad's an alcoholic. My dad's dad's an alcoholic. It's pretty much alcoholics all the way down. Um, and, um, you know, um, so my mom, my mother is an alcoholic. She raised me, um, and she was pretty much unemployable for my entire childhood and continues now. I mean, you know, it's fine. She's, um, she's, she has her life. And, but, um, just to put it into context, you know, we didn't really have, we were sort of, there wasn't a lot of safety. It was pretty like, um, I pretty much raised myself, I guess I'll just say that. Um, and so, you know, um, it kind of, um, you know, throughout my life and being sober, you know, I've kind of had to learn about, um, kind of how to respect authority or maybe a little bit like I, you know, I was it like having to raise myself, it kind of brought out like this huge defiance in me. Um, and, um, I was just very like, nobody is going to tell me what to do because it's, and I'm not going to follow anybody's direction because whenever I do, it doesn't really seem like a safe thing to do, you know, following other, other people's direction. So, um, but you know, um, when I got through, started doing AA, I kind of, anyway, I, I learned a little bit about, um, trusting and, um, stuff like that. So, but anyway, um, as far as my youth, that, that was kind of the deal. Um, you know, it was very chaotic. Um, you know, my, my mom and dad were together in my first, uh, first five years of maybe first three years, four years, I don't know. But, um, you know, I guess there are two, there are two sort of, um, stories that I rolled around in my head, you know, that kind of gave, like from my youth that gave me like a, license to drink however I wanted and one of them was that my mother and my mom and dad got you know my mom did some violence to my dad um, when I was a kid and it ended up that you know she went to prison for a minute and my dad kind of left the picture and it was sort of like I mean they were just uh they were like a volcanic or they were they were <laughs> they were a volcanic combination what can I say dynamite combination um and so um, so that was kind of a story, you know, that was sort of like implant. It was like in my mind, you know, I had a lot of trauma from it. I was there. I remember I like, there was an ambulance and all this stuff. And, um, so there was kind of like that part of it. And, um, oh my goodness, this is getting kind of heavy. I'm, I'm usually a little light, lighter, lighter on the lighter with this stuff um but my so then um the other part is like my so my mom's dad um he was um also an alcoholic and the story was now I never met the man I have no idea but the story was is that he was a very violent crazy alcoholic and eventually he went to AA and he met a woman in AA and they fell in love and got married. And then they both decided that they didn't want to go to AA anymore. And um, so he ended up killing himself at like seven years sober or something like that. Um, you know, dry drunk. 
a dead dry drunk. Um, and so that was kind of the other story that I had that my mom, that my mom would tell me all, all the time. She'd be very drunk, um, you know, threatening to kill herself. And like, you know, that was kind of just my youth, I guess it was just not. Um, so I had a lot to, I had a lot to unravel, you know, these, all these years, these, you know, years, I feel like I'm, I mean, I am still in early sobriety. I feel like I'm kind of taking off into some kind of, after post COVID some, some, I feel like I'm taking off into some kind of additional fourth dimension. I, I don't really know, <laughs> but, um, I feel like things are really happening. Like, it doesn't feel like much is happening, but it's anyway. So, um, so yeah, that was kind of my youth. You know, I, I first touched alcohol when I was like 13, 14. Um, I had a party, I didn't have a party. I went to a party. My friend's mother was like the party cool mom, cool mom, party mom. And, um, you know, they had this rager like they always did, but like, you know, they were doing like gravity bongs in the bathtub. Like, I don't even know what a gravity bong is exactly, but there's like, there's like a milk jug and you cut the bottom off it. And then you like, it was a thing. So people were doing that. And, um, I wasn't too much interested in that. I was interested in having some shots of alcohol. Um, and I was like, uh, 95 pounds, 14 year old. I might've been 85 pounds. I don't know. I was a tiny, I was a tiny child. And, um, there was this giant biker guy there and I looked at him and I said, I'm going to have a drinking contest with this man. And, um, that's exactly what I did. And I drank myself sick my first night. Um, I, um, uh, you know, and, um, that kind of started me off, you know, it, it kind of like was like a snapshot of what most of my drinking ended up looking like, you know, it was like, um, I drank into blackout. I made a complete ass of myself. I threw up everywhere. I hit on somebody who was like, I was like, I love you. Like we both have so much in common, like trying to make out with one of my friends. And it was like, then it caused some like romantic confusion later, and like even though I was like 13 or 14 it was just like all this drama like um and the other keystone part of it is that people were really worried about me you know like um and so hence um hence started my beginning to architect my life around alcohol I did not want to have friends who were worried about me while I was drinking that didn't really appeal to me. Um, you know, I didn't like the feeling of people being worried about me. It really bummed me out and, um, kind of, uh, so I tried to find friends who drank like I drank and I was successful in that. Um, there are many of us out there bopping along, um, at all ages. So I found those, those type of people. I found, I found my people. And, um, so I proceeded to drink like I wanted to drink, you know, I didn't really have a lot of, um, yeah, like normal formative experience, like whatever normal form it wasn't like cheers or seventh heaven or like whatever these sitcoms are. Like I didn't have like, <laughs> it was not like that. Like, except for the one like feature episode with the fucked up kid. That's like, we're trying to help this fucked up. kid. <laughs> like that was me. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I like, I almost flunked out of high school. Um, that was kind of my, uh, you know, I almost flunked out of high school. I never went. I didn't really like school. Um, there was too much authority there. Too many people trying to tell me what to do and how to dress and, uh, 
what to eat and when to go places. And um, so, you know, I almost flunked, but like, I didn't want, like, I didn't actually want to have the, I didn't really actually want to flunk. Like I wanted to, I, I, I mean, I don't know. Somebody encouraged me and like, I, I did the extra, I did the four years of summer school. I did the, like, I did the uh, classes till 10 PM to actually graduate from high school. And I managed to do that. And then I went to community college and then I went to college, college. Um, and I uh, studied art and, um, you know, I had a pretty steady boyfriend when I was in college and then we broke up and like, uh, I like, well, I mean, my, he was a, he was a good drinker like me, <laughs> I mean, but whatever we, we drank a lot together, but like, after I like, after we broke up, it was kind of like, um, a spiral into a, like a bunch of, um, really strange and dangerous relationships with men. And, you know, and so, um, And so that kind of painted my 20s, I guess, until I was 25 when I got sober. So, um, you know, I don't really know what's, I, I, yeah, I don't really know. I don't really know what's profound about any of this stuff. I mean, there's, you know, I drank a lot. Um, I drank a lot and I architected my life and my friendships around drinking. I didn't really have a lot of... Um, I mean, I thought my life was pretty profound, you know, I thought I was really, um, whatever, like romanticizing Bukowski and all this stuff, trying to be like, you know, like I'm, I'm the drunk at the bar, you know, whatever. It was just stupid. And so <laughs> I, mean, I see it as stupid now. I thought I was real cool. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I did, I did have this boyfriend, um, and, um, you know, he kind of like roped me in, you know, and it was, uh, he was like way older than me. I was like 23, um, 22, 23. I was like, a, I was like a snack. I was like a, I was in danger <laughs> to say that there's like, I was just constantly in danger, you know, like I didn't have any family really. I didn't really have any family. I didn't really have any people like looking after me. And like, I also thought I had this, like, I thought I could handle anything and anyone. And, um, you know, like I, I was, I was on top of it, you know, but, but really I was like prime. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> definitely. I was prey. So I, um, you know, I had this boyfriend, he was crazy. He kidnapped me. He stalked me, all this stuff. And it was just like, um, I don't know. It was crazy. And, um, it was like, um, you know, I broke up with him with a restraining order eventually. Um, and you know, as soon as I got away from him, it was kind of like this like thing. It was like, okay, finally I can do my stuff and get back to my life. Cause I felt like I was on hold for like two years, like in the, like trying to evade this guy and try to like, you know, um, you know, like actually like running away, like just all this crazy stuff. You know, I was trying to, trying to get away from this guy for so long. And it like, you know, so much that I had painted him as like the, um, the cause of all my problems, you know, and all this stuff. And it was just like, um, you know, so eventually I did get away from him and, you know, broke up with him with a restraining order and it was all like, 
I was all victim, dramatic, you know, um, and I started going to therapy and, um, you know, as I was going to, as I was seeing these therapists, therapist, I was like, thank you, Michelle. Um, as I was seeing this therapist, I was, um, I was drinking more. Like my intake just went through the roof because it was like, not only was I trying to process this crazy relationship, which wasn't really, um, wasn't really that big of a deal. I mean, it like was, but it was like, um, you know, whatever. Like I, you know, it was also like all this shit from my past, you know, all these stories, you know, like the two stories that I talked about in the beginning, like that was kind of it, but there was just like, there was a lot more, there was a lot more shit that was just like, like family dysfunction, you know, it was just like, um, like not even being able to name feelings. And it was just like, just, oh God, it was just like, um, I would just totally freeze. I, I didn't even know how to order food off a menu. I was like completely, um, I don't know. I don't know how I made it, but, um, I, so, you know, there was that. And so, but I, my, my alcohol intake like went like way up, you know, and I started drinking more and more. I was drinking every night. Um, I was getting into a lot of trouble. I was in danger again. I was like in a lot of danger. You know, my friends were like, cat, you know, um, we have plans tonight. We're going out somewhere after this party. So you better find your own, you got to find your own way home, you know? And I was like, no problem. Yeah, I'll find my way home. What are you even talking about? This will be fine. And like, I did not find my way home often. I was like, I didn't, I didn't, oh my God. It was just like time. It was like, I had a remote control and I was just like fast forwarding to the next morning of like, what the fuck? am I <laughs> and um it was like that for a while and it was so fucking scary because I didn't know what was going on I didn't know what kind of like you know I, I was just like um basically autopilot autopiloting myself drunkenly throughout downtown Oakland um and um yeah so I was in danger um and so I started kind of Googling um, how to get sober or do I have a drinking problem? That's like my favorite thing is to like, when I think I have a problem <laughs> with something throughout my sobriety, I've done this with various things, you know, like my money was fucked up for a while. Um, so I Google something like, do I have a problem with alcohol? You know, do I have a problem with drinking? You know? And I'd be like, so I did this for a few months. Um, or like, is it bad that you black out or like, you know, it was just like very obvious um, shit, but I, um, anyway, so yeah, I, you know, it was just one night and, um, one of my roommates, like, I don't know. I, I used to drink at this pizza parlor, um, after work, I worked at an art supply store and, um, I used to drink at this part pizza parlor and it was perfect because they closed at 11. So I could have like four or five strong beers, um, don't pay attention to the numbers of drinks because everybody's different. Um, but you know, I would have some, a few, I'll just say a few strong beers and then they closed at 11 and then I could go, Ooh, there's some sounds outside there's, and then I could go to, um, one of the bars downtown until two and like maybe, you know, 
get something for the road, like at five till 2 AM. Um, and you know, and I, so I was kind of doing that. And then one day I thought to myself, I'm going to try to not do this. I'm going to not do this. I'm going to not ride my bike to the pizza parlor. I'm going to go because I was writing. I was doing my Bukowski thing. I was trying to write. <laughs> I was trying to write my memoir. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, I mean, I got some good stuff out of there, actually. But, um, but like, it's not that interesting. But um, I... <clears throat> So I was like, I'm going to take the BART. This was my brilliant idea. I was like, I'm going to take the BART and I'm going to go straight home, skip the par pizza parlor. And like, I got home and I lived in this loft, this artist's artsy loft. And um, there were like 20 people there and they were like, we're having a drinking contest. And like, <laughs> um, I, you know, they were like pacing themselves. They were like marking on their hands, like how many drinks they had and like, you know, eating pizza to brace themselves. And I was just like, I like pretended I like marked on my hands, like some marks or something. I was like, yeah, you know, and like, I just proceeded to drink as quickly and as much as like humanly possible. And, um, that was not abnormal. You know, that was pretty much exactly like the story of my, that's how I did everything with alcohol. Like I, that was just it. But for some reason that night, you know, after the drinking contest, we like went to the bar and my friends had to carry me home. Nothing special or different there. That was kind of the, part for the course um and i i don't know the next morning i had a sore arm or something like that and i was like i can't take it anymore <laughs> which was like i had so much worse like um when i was dating that guy um i the the, the guy before like the, the the before guy like i attacked him in a blackout one night like you know, I ended up, um, you know, I, I came to in the cop car and I was like, okay, okay, guys, you can take me home now. And they were like, you're not, you're not going home. You're going to jail. <laughs> like, that's what they like. That's what they said. And I was like, you know, whatever. So I went to jail. So this last night that I drank was not the worst night by any means like my arm hurt and I was like I can't take it anymore I think it was just a mental anguish of everything it was just like I I I tried to not drink I tried to take the BART I tried to do everything right and I could not avoid the alcohol it was like God brought me the maximum amount of alcohol at the moment for me to completely exploit it to the maximum and just be like you can't you can't fucking do this so um you know, I don't know. I, I, I got my roommate. Um, I asked her for help. I don't know why. I just went to her and I hugged her and I said, oh, I need help. You know, and um, she, she had some number of somebody in AA and she was like, oh, nice. I kind of want to contact this girl anyway for a date or something like that. And I was like, nice. Do, 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 do yourself a favor. Do me a favor. Contact this woman. <laughs> And, um, she gave me the information for the late show in Oakland. Um, and, um, you know, it wasn't really, I wasn't really ready. Like, although I got increasingly in more pain and then I became ready, but I like, um, I mean, I wasn't drinking. I was still, so I stayed sober for two weeks on my own. And then I eventually went to the meeting, but, um, what made me go to the meeting was, um, I went to this Halloween party, um, 
and it, w- it was in October. I started getting sober in October. Um, I used to joke about that. So I'm doing sober October, like sober October turned into seven years, like, you know, whatever. Um, but I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I don't have that much time left. Fuck. Um, so I, I went to this Halloween party and like, it was like a rager, super, super fun party, you know, like, you know, unlimited everything. And people were just like, I don't know, whatever I'm imagining. It it was like a movie and people were like crowd surfing. I don't think there was crowd surfing, but it was like, I was like sober at this party and, um, I was so fucking awkward. I was like, I need to find some fucking people like me, some people who don't drink because, and, you know, because everybody just seemed, you know, that was the first party I ever went to sober. And, like, I mean, people, I mean, they seemed pretty low-key. You know, it didn't seem like everybody was trying to trash the place or, like, like like me. Like, what I would do, you know, I would, like, I would be like, let's fucking go! And, like, <laughs> it would be like, it would be like that. But, I mean, it was kind of like a wild party, but it wasn't, like it wasn't, I feel like I would have just made it a little bit extra, you know? And so, but, um, I got, yeah. So I, I decided to go to the meeting. Um, but I couldn't make it to the late show. The late show was too, too early for me. Um, it was 10 to 10 PM. And, um, but there was another one on the Sunday night called the sinking ship. And that one was at 10, 10 PM. So I I could not be late to my first AA meeting, by the way. I was like, um, (laughs) I gotta make sure I'm on time. I look good, you know, whatever. And so I, I made it to the 10, 10 PM and there was like seven older gentlemen there. And, um, I was like, oh fuck, like this is AA, um, these older guys. Thank you, Michelle. Um, these old guys are here and, uh, this is not for me, but you know, I stayed, um, they were very nice. They were, they did what you're supposed to do. You know, they gave me a book. They were like, you know, whatever. But so the speaker, the speaker was, um, can't believe I did that whole drunk log. My apologies. Um, the speaker was dynamite. He was so good. He was like 20 years sober. He was like talking about all his ripping and roaring, going to jail, all this stuff. You know, he was like, he was really, he really hit us with the message, like in the first place, but then like halfway through his share, he was like, and I have a terminal illness and I'm going to die in six months. And this is what he said. And he was like, I'm going to die soon. And I want to die sober. And that's what he said. And it was like, I don't know. It just hit me like, uh, a fire hose. I, I don't know. I, 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 <laughs> um, I definitely wanted what he had. Like I could, it was because what he said is like, I could not imagine like, like being in his mental position. I, at that point, you know, I was brand new sober, um, trying to, you know, trying to do some shit, trying not to drink and trying to stop ruining my life. You know, I was 25 when I got sober. I felt like it was over. Like, I mean, I mean, not over, like, I mean, I did feel like my life was over when I joined AA, but I felt like my life was over. uh, Like, actually, like, I didn't know um, what life was going to be. I was just, um, sorry, I have a lot of fireworks. Um, 
I, I didn't, I was not optimistic about life. And at 25, I don't want to speak for anybody, anybody else, but I think you're supposed to be a little bit optimistic about life when you're 25, you know, you're like, um, but I was not. And, um, but when he said that, it was like, I want to die sober. It was, and I have a terminal illness. You know, I was kind of just like, I, I really couldn't imagine that. I was, um, you know, I definitely thought, um, I was looking for an excuse to drink, you know, I was like two weeks sober on my own at that point. I was just like, and if I got a terminal illness diagnosis, um, that would be my get out of jail free card. And I could drink for the rest of my life, however long that would be. And nobody could say shit to me because if they had a, they don't, you know, like, and th there was, there was other stuff, you know, I was like, if my mom died, if I lost a hand, if I went blind, I could drink for the rest of my life and nobody could say shit to me about it. But this guy has a death sentence and he wants to die sober. So I was kind of like, okay, I guess I'll just have to see what this is all about. And, um, you know, they gave me a book. They said, come back tomorrow in the same building, 10 o'clock PM. There's a meeting here. It's called the late show. There's a bunch of hipsters. They, you know, they will, um, take care of you. And, you know, they did. Um, I, I got sober at the late show. I found my first sponsor there. Um, she was extremely patient with me. She saved my life. Um, you know, I didn't really get the God stuff in the beginning, but like I said, I did pray to the bedspread, um, to start and I started doing the stuff, you know, I started doing the, um, I started doing the steps. Um, and you know, I've had some crazy profound experiences in sobriety. Um, you know, my dad died when I was three years sober like I said, he was out of the picture. Um, I didn't really know him and it just came straight out of the sky. Like I hadn't really thought about my dad much. I mean, I did like, I did him, I did a little four step on him, but uh, you know, I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me to put him on my ninth step the first time around or my eighth step the first time around. I was just, he was so out of my, um, my conscious awareness. And like, he just died out of nowhere. It's like, and, um, you know, so I, like, I'm his only daughter, so I had to deal with all that. Uh, you know, I dealt with his memorial and it like turned out that he was, he was 16 years sober himself. Um, and we had this whole AA thing, you know, like we had a little, I mean, he was not, a, he was, he was like a little bit autistic. He didn't have a lot of friends, but he was in AA and he was sober. You know, he was, I mean, I don't want to say autistic to like offend anybody, but I'm just saying like, from what I understood from the memorial, like he was kind of a difficult personality. Um, and, but I mean, he had people who loved him dearly, dearly, dearly loved him. I know from the way that they spoke about him, but um, you know, like one of the guys relayed in the, uh, <laughs> in the little memorial, he was like telling, everybody was just telling stories about my dad. We did the 11 step prayer. Um, he, he was my dad's first sponsor, I guess, or my dad's only sponsor. And he was like saying that one day he got a call from my dad and my dad was like, Hey, Hey, I found my doorknob, you know, like he had a deep voice, I guess. Um, I can hear his voice. I could hear, I could totally hear him. I mean, I talked to him on the phone a little bit over the years. And so I could totally just hear him saying this. And apparently he was riding his bike down the highway and he saw, like a glint in the sand and it was like a crystal doorknob um and he like dug around in there and he got the doorknob and um 
you know, my dad, he left me this hoard. He left me a hoard. It was like a really bad, uh, I had to dig all this shit out and it was just like, it was really difficult. Um, it was just like lasagna boxes and like, but I tore that place up and down looking for that doorknob and like, I found it and it's on my desk right now. And like, if I had not, if I hadn't been an AA, like I cannot fucking imagine having gone through that and been like, this is cool. <laughs> like I wouldn't have understood what any of these old guys are talking about, like a fucking doorknob. Like if I was in my cups at the time, I would have seen no spiritual significance in any of this. I would have just seen it as um, a huge burden and another reason to drink, frankly. Um, you know, and, you know, there's a lot more. You know, that boyfriend that I fought in the blackout, um, he came up to me at an AA Halloween party. Um, <laughs> I don't know when that was. Um, a few years ago. And, uh, he was sober and he came up to me at this party. Like this guy, I was scared shitless of him. Like I was like, seriously, I was still looking, looking around my shoulder, ready to jump in a bush, like in any minute, seeing this guy. And, um, I saw him at the Halloween party, full zombie makeup. He was wearing, I was wearing like this Alice in Wonderland costume. And, um, he, <laughs> I saw him, he was texting on the steps. Um, and I, I immediately, I was like, oh, shit, I got to get the fuck out of here. Uber was pretty new. Um, so I called an Uber to, like, get out of there. And, like, by the time I was done calling the car, he was, like, standing there, like, right in front of me. Um, and thank you, Michelle. And he was, I was wearing, like, three-inch heels. He was shorter than me, by the way. So it was kind of like this thing. It was like he was already shorter than me, and I was, like, tall. He was wearing full clown makeup, and he was like, I'm so sorry. I've, I fucked you over so bad. I owe you money. I need to do this whole amends. Oh my God. I was so horrible. And I was just like, so glad you're doing good. And I just like left. And like, I was not from that moment forward. I was no longer afraid of this person. <laughs> he no longer intimidated me whatsoever. And like this weight was just like completely lifted off of me. Like, I did not have to jump in the bush seeing him. I didn't like hide behind the wall at the bar. Like I didn't have to um, bristle up whenever I see somebody on a bike to kind of look like him or whatever. I was just like, it completely changed my life. And like, that's what the ninth step does. And, um, you know, I didn't really give him the opportunity to be like, you know, say anything else. I just like ran out of there. So like a month ago, um, I, finally did another round of steps with my sponsor and I'm doing my ninth step now, but, um, I didn't, the restraining order was like still kind of in place like this whole time. And I just didn't, I, I just wasn't, I don't know. I'll just say it. I wasn't ready. So I didn't do it. And, but last month I actually did it. He like moved to Southern California. So I sent him an email and, um, you know, I got these, this email back that was like, so nice. You know, I said, I was like, i I attacked you in a blackout. I was actually very scary. Um, I'm a very scary drunk. And, um, you know, I know my time is up. But, like, I... So, I, I got this email back from him. And um, it was so... 
I did this whole like meditation afterwards, but like part of it was the takeaway was, is that he was free. You know, he's been free this entire time while I've been holding onto this pile of shit, like unafraid, like completely afraid to own my part of this. And, you know, I fought him in a blackout and I was like, but I don't, you know, I didn't. So I was holding onto this pile of shit, but he was free this whole time. He had one seat. He had like a three minute searing, embarrassing clown makeup amends that he did to me three years ago. And he was free. I was not free. So I'm free now. As of a month ago, I feel better. But anyway, you guys, um, I know that was a little bit of a crazy share, but um, profound things have happened to me in sobriety. I now believe there is a God and there is a spiritual dimension of life. If you don't believe in God, that's fine. It's not, it's not even required. It just happens to be my experience that that is what I have found here in the rooms of AA. So um, thanks, and I will uh, stop now. <laughs>